This is RAF with Tony Tone and LA. <laughs> Yo, what's up? The prodigal son has returned. It's your boy LA, aka the Love Ambassador. Uh, first and foremost, if you're tuning in for the first time, please subscribe because honestly, uh, promoting and doing this marketing and that sort of stuff is a bit of a bitch. Anyway, apologies for being a little bit nasal and having a bit of a cold. Uh, truth be told, last uh, two weeks have been down with a hell of flu. And before that, yeah, sorry for my hiatus, as you know, uh, for those following me at the real LA 21 on both uh, Twitter and also RG, uh, you'd be realizing I traveled the world. So a uh, special shout out to Rob uh, and Honey on their wonderful wedding in Italia and also went to uh, Prague, Vienna and Budapest. So guess you're wondering, well, enough talking shit. What's this all about? Well, I like to read, and uh, the current book that I'm reading at the moment is by George Orwell, uh, 1984, which is a theoretical situation if England was to become a communist country. Now, he's writing this years and years and years, so when he's writing it, 1984 for him was like well in advance. And what it's famous for is a lot of people study it at school, but how he basically not only observed observed the communist society, but how he predicted a lot of stuff which would become modern day. Um, for example, the the different use of language, you know, so now everyone uses emojis instead of proper words. He was using analogy like that. Uh, also how people were reacting with each other, also, the monitoring, uh, so he would call it telescreens, were monitoring the people in this book. But actually, for him, it was, uh, you know, if you look today, CCTV cameras, you know, as they say, Big Brother is watching, actually comes from that book. So I thought, well, to talk about communism would take, like, hours. And uh, I've got a real short attention span when I listen to things. So I want to try and keep it as quick as possible possible. It's kind of like an overview and uh, yeah, a bit of a feel for kind of what communism was about. And I'll give you some thoughts afterwards. All right, well, let us begin. Most modern forms of communism are grounded at least normally in Marxism, a theory and method conceived by Karl Marx during the 19th century. Marxism subsequently gained a widespread following across much of Europe and throughout the late 1800s its militant supporters were instrumental in a number of failed revolutions on the continent. During the same era, there was also a proliferation of communist parties which rejected armed revolution but embraced the Marxist ideal of collective property and classless society. Although Marxist theory suggested that the place is ripest for social revolution, either through peaceful transition or by force of arms or industrial societies, communism was most successful in undeveloped countries with endemic poverty, such as the Russian Empire and also the Republic of China. Uh, Karl Marx wrote it predominantly in England. Uh, Engels was the other guy that was backing him up. Those of you that don't understand 
much about communism, which is probably fair enough if we have a younger listener. It basically, the easiest way to describe it was like a social utopia where everyone is equal, uh, everyone works for the common good, uh, for the common party. And to understand it, you have to look at the fact that Europe had obviously kings, aristocracy, royals, rich industrialists, uh, and even still to this day, a, a huge amount of poverty. So it was an answer to the working class who really, bar sort of the last 20 to 30 years, um, or even sort of just after World War II, really lived in extreme poverty uh, in in Western in, across Europe, basically. So the ideals were to try and liberate them, but then obviously the wording uh, had spread. Uh, and yeah, I mean, you know, everyone in a way kind of wants, wants the utopian society. All right, so 1917, the Bolshevik Party seized power during the Russian Revolution and created the Soviet Union, the world's first self-declared socialist state. The Bolsheviks Bolsheviks thoroughly embraced the concept of proletarian internationalism and world revolution, seeing their struggle as an international rather than a purely regional cause. This was to have a phenomenal effect on the spirit of communism during the 20th century as the Soviet Union installed new Marxist-Leninist governments in Central and Eastern Europe following World War II and indirectly backed the ascensions of others in the Americas, Asia and Africa. People took to this policy was a communist international, almost known as Comintern, formed with the perspective of aiding and assisting communist parties around the world and fostering revolution. This was one major cause of tensions during the Cold War as the United States and its military allies, i.e. Australia and UK, equated the global spirit of communism with Soviet expansionism by proxy. So basically the Cold War was uh, the capitalist West versus the Soviet Communist East. By 1985, one third of the world's population lived under a Marxist-Leninist system of government in one form or another. However, there was a significant debate among communist and Marxist ideologues as to whether most of these countries could be meaningfully considered Marxist at all, since many of the basic components of the Marxist system were altered and revised by such countries. Uh, in, for example, Cambodia with, under the Khmer Rouge, you saw a very extreme interpretation of clearing the cities and putting everyone into the farming communities and yeah, massacring like there was no tomorrow. The failure of these governments to live up to the ideal of a communist society as well as the general trend towards increasing authoritarianism has been linked to the decline of communism in the late 20th century. With the dissolution of the Soviet Union in 1991, several Marxist-Leninist states repudiated or abolished the ideology altogether. A bit rusty in the old podcast trying to announce words. It's tricky. Now, anyway, by the 21st century, only a small number of Marxist-Leninist states remained, namely Cuba, Vietnam and Laos. Despite retaining a nominal commitment to communism, China has essentially ceased to be governed by the principles of Maoism, Mao being the first communist leader of China, reverting to an authoritarian regime with a mixed economy. Uh, so, yeah, basically, to shorten it, um, those of you that want to learn more about uh, Marxism, uh, just basically read all the communist manifestos and whatnot by Karl Marx. You can get it basically anywhere. 
Uh, and basically until the Russian Revolution, there was attempts um, to kick it off, but it was really the Russians uh, that deposed their Tsar Nicholas uh, that really uh, took on uh, communism, first under Lenin uh, and then later under Stalin, who was brought new meaning to being a dictator. Um, and then we'll kind of fast track it through, but yeah, We'll go through the different periods now of international communism, just so you get a broader picture of what's going on. The historical existence of the communist international Comintern and the broader communist movements is divided among periods regarding changes in the general policies it followed. The war communism between 1918 to 1921, which saw the forming of the international, the Russian Civil War, a general revolutionary upheaval after the October Revolution, resulting in the formation of the first communist parties across the world and the defeat of workers' revolutionary movements in Hungary, Germany, Finland and Poland. The new economic policy period, 1921-1929, which marked the end of the civil war in Russia and new economic measures taken by the Bolshevik government, the toning down of the revolutionary wave in Europe and internal struggles within the Bolshevik party as a common turn after Lenin's death and before Stalin's absolute consolidation of power. The third period, 1929-1934, an ultra-left term which saw rapid industrialization and collectivization of the Soviet Union under Stalin's rule, the refusal by communists to cooperate with social democrats and other countries, labouring them social fascists, and the ultimate rise of Adolf Hitler in Germany, which led to the abandonment of the hardline policy of this period. These years also saw the complete subordination of all communist parties across the world to the directives of the old Union Communist Party Bolsheviks, making the common term more or less an organ of the Soviet Communist Party. The Popular Front period, 1934 to 1939, which marked the call by common turn to all popular and democratic forces, not just communists to deny popular fronts against fascism. Remember Hitler's kicking off by now, and also Mussolini in Italy and um, Franco in Spain. However, this period was also marked by widespread purges of anyone suspected as an enemy of the Stalinist regime, both in the Soviet Union and abroad. These mass purges resulted in the breaking up of the Popular Front in Spain amidst the Spanish Civil War and the fall of Spain to Francisco Franco, who was himself a um, fascist. The period of advocating peace, 1939 to 1941, uh, this was basically uh, where Poland got massively fucked. Uh, my mum is Polish, so yeah, it's still a bit of a, a bit of a sore note. So basically, they just split <laughs> the, the Soviet Union and Germany. Basically, split Poland in half. Uh, so the Soviet Union did it to buy themselves time to basically build up more arms, and uh, yeah, they always Poland was always the the middle ground between Russia and Germany, and they were always fighting over who uh, who got it. The Eastern Front period, sometimes called the Second Popular Front, 1941 to 1943, was the last period of the Comintern, starting immediately after the German invasion of the Soviet Union, with Stalin's 3 July 1941 call to the entire free world to unite and fight Nazism by all means. This was a period of militant anti-fascism, the emergence of national liberation movements all across Europe, and ultimately the dissolution of the Comintern in 1943. One thing that I will say about Stalin is when he ordered, uh, basically, if you were as a soldier to retreat, the people would shoot you, so you must attack. Uh, and 
the Russians really lost an enormous amount of people, uh, 20 million plus in World War Two. So whatever your views of uh, communism or, or what happened, uh, the reality is, is that if it wasn't for the Soviets and the Russians, um, probably Nazi Germany would have had a very, very decent crack at actually succeeding and it would have taken the West, you know, decades if they were even actually actually get it. Uh, the early Cold War, 1947 to 1960, in which the Soviet Union and the Red Army installed communist regimes in most of Eastern Europe, except for Yugoslavia and Albania, that was under Tito, which had independent communist regimes. A major effort to support Communist Party activity in Western democracies, especially Italy and France, fell short of gaining positions in the government. Late Cold War, 1960s to 1970s, in which China turned against the Soviet Union and organised alternative communist parties in many countries. Intense attention was given to revolutionary movements in the Third World, which were successful in some places such as Cuba and Vietnam. Communism was decisively defeated in other states, including Malaya and Indonesia, in 1972 to 1979. There is a destiny between the Soviet Union and the United States. The end of communism in Europe, 1980 to 1992, in which Soviet client states were heavily in the defensive, as in Afghanistan and Nicaragua. Uh, the Soviets fought a long war in Afghanistan, and many see it as part of bringing about the downfall of, of their empire. The United States escalated the conflict with very heavy military spending. After a series of short-lived leaders, Mikhail Gorbachev came to power in the Kremlin, and began a policy of glasnost and perestroika designed to revive the stagnating Soviet economy. European satellite states led by Poland grew increasingly independent, and in 1989 they all expelled the communist leadership. East Germany merged into West Germany and with Moscow's approval. At the end of 1991, the Soviet Union itself was dissolved into non-communist independent states. Many communist parties around the world either collapsed or became independent non-communist entities. However, China, North Korea, Laos, Vietnam and Cuba maintained communist regimes. After 1980, China adopted a market-orientated economy that welcomed large-scale trade and friendly with the United States. Uh, some major uh, conflicts during the 15th in the 60s, there was two in Europe. One was the Hungarian Revolution of 1956, which was the first major challenge, which was done through sort of strikes and people openly uh, protesting and taking up arms. Uh, and it ended very, very badly for the Hungarians, so the Russians were utterly ruthless. Uh, and then Czechoslovakia tried again also in 1968 uh, and Leonard Brezhnev ordered a massive military intervention as well. Uh, so it was, you know, there were countries that were attempting to break free within Europe, but it was met with utterly brutal force. Uh, we'll go through to also 1958 to 1979 because there was some major parts of communism that also came through. Here, uh, whilst um, China had been communist since the late 40s, uh, 1958 to 1979 was an important part. So the Cultural Revolution was an upheaval that targeted intellectual and party leaders from 1966 through to 1976. Mao's goal was to purify communism by removing pro-capitalists and traditionalists by imposing Maoist orthodoxy with the Chinese Communist Party. 
The movement paralysed China politically and weakened the country economically, culturally and intellectually for years. Millions of people were accused, humiliated, stripped of power and either imprisoned, killed or most often sent to work as farm labourers. Mao insisted that, that these be labelled revisionists be removed through violent class struggle. The two, the two most prominent militants were Marshal Lin Bao of the army and Mao's wife Zhang Qing. Excuse my pronunciation. China's youth responded to Mao's appeal by forming Red Guard groups around the country. The movement spread into the military, urban workers and Communist Party leadership itself. It resulted in widespread factional struggles in all walks of life. In the top leadership, it led to a mass purge of senior officials who accused of taking a capitalist road, most notably Liu Xiaoqi and Ding Xiaoping. During the same period, Mao's personality grew to immense proportions. After Mao's death in 1976, the survivors were rehabilitated and many returned to power. The Cuban Revolution. Uh, the Cuban Revolution was a successful armed revolt led by Fidel Castro's 26th of July movement against the regime of Cuban dictator Fulgencio Batista. It ousted Batista on the 1st of January 1959, replacing his regime with Castro's revolutionary government. Castro later reformed along communist lines, becoming the president of the Communist Party of Cuba in October 1965. The United States' response was highly negative, leading to a failed invasion attempt in 1961. The Soviets decided to protect its ally by stationing nuclear weapons in Cuba in 1962. The Cuban Missile Crisis, the United States vehemently opposed the Soviet Union move. There was a serious fear of nuclear war for a few days, but a compromise was reached by which Mos Moscow publicly removed its weapons and the United States secretly removed it from bases in Turkey and promised never to invade. <coughs> My mum was actually in Poland at the time uh, during that period and she was uh, a teenager and she was saying that they were li literally uh, lining up in the corners getting ready for, for an invasion. Uh, so they were getting ready for, uh, for it to kick off during the Cuban Missile Crisis. African Communism. During the decolonization of Africa, the Soviet Union took a keen interest in that continent's independence movements and initially hoped the cultivation of communist client states there would deny the economic and strategic resources to the West. Soviet foreign policy with regards to Africa assumed that newly independent African governments would be receptive to communist ideology and the Soviets would have the resources to make them attractive as development partners. During the 1960s, the ruling parties of several sub-Saharan African states formally embraced communism, including Burkina Faso, Republic of Benin, Mozambique, Congo, Ethiopia and Angola. Most of these regimes ensured the selected adoption and flexible application of communist theory set against a broad ideological commitment to Marxism or Leninism. The adoption of communism was often seen as a means to an end and used to justify the extreme centralisation of power. Angola was perhaps the only African state which made a long-lasting commitment to communism, but this was severely hampered by its own war, burdened economy, rampant corruption and practical realities which allowed a few foreign companies to wield considerable influence despite the elimination of the domestic Angolan private sector and a substantial degree of central economic planning. Both Angola and Ethiopia built new social and political communist institutions modelled closely after those in the Soviet Union and Cuba. However, the regimes even dissolved after the collapse of the Soviet Union due to civil conflict or voluntary repudiated communism in favour of social democracy. 
Uh, eventually, the Soviet communist, essentially the Soviet Union, like we said, collapsed in around 1991. Uh, and after that, basically the money that propped up a lot of those uh, countries therefore went. Uh, I know with Cuba, you could see clearly that it still had a massive effect on them. Uh, and I was there even 2004. I guess I'll add probably a couple of my own views to communism just to end it. Uh, I think. I think the idea of communism, like everyone said, is, is amazing. Uh, I also think that um, there were elements which were good. Uh, so, for example, the arts, there was a strong emphasis in the arts. Education, there was a strong push to educate the people. Uh, even if you look, for example, in Cuba, they have an enormous amount of doctors per uh, you know, for, for such a small population, they have an enormous amount of doctors. And also, if you look at the former Soviet unions, there was a strong education system. Uh, and also, the, the, the general worker that had kind of no real ambition, I mean, they had a job, they had uh, something to earn, a place to stay. Uh, where it went wrong was, uh, and building also in 1984 and family experiences, it was to authoritarianism, uh, and it was literally like your neighbours would dob you in because you had a nice jacket and they'd say, oh, well, you said something against the party and people were disappearing left, right and centre. And it was that, it, it, there's two things I think that brought about its downfall. One was the extreme violence of trying to basically enforce communism on people. And two, uh, for whatever reason, governments are just generally inefficient running economies. So there's an old saying in communism that you would get paid whether you stand or whether you sit. And then also because of the propaganda, there was sort of all this sort of bullshit about like what they were actually producing and the quality of what they were producing. So in order to run an economy, you need to have businesses running properly and you need to have efficient management and allocation of resources. Uh, and that, like I said, with the violence and the, you know, secret police and everyone worried about talking to each other, that's what I feel generally brought it down. Uh, would you ever see a return of it? I think because after the GSC, um, it's completely collapsed. I would argue now that people more are going into religious fundamentalism uh, instead of communism. But I think there's always that possibility for it to return in some form, because uh, as we see, the rich are getting richer and the poor are getting poorer, and there seems to be an ever-growing gap uh, between um, the haves and the have-nots. So, yeah, look, I don't know. I think people that are still young still remember the bad sides of it, but maybe in generations to come, people might revisit it again. So it's as quick rundown as I could give you on communism. If you want to read more about it, check it out. Uh, I, for one, is still a capitalist, but um, having said that, I think that there could be definitely some more social policies to help the common man, because at the end of the day, uh, you know, the poor people are hungry, the ones are going to revolt, and they're going to come after you if you've got something. So it's always best to let everyone eat and be happy. How you achieve that is probably the quadruple trillion dollar question. I'll leave you on that. Ah, uh, peace.